Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. What is the role of professional learning networks, or PLNs, in informing and inspiring ELL educators? How have tools like Twitter helped create, nurture, and expand professional development opportunities? How do PLNs impact the students we serve? And what about the many educators who don't engage in this type of learning? We discuss these questions and much more as we welcome Emily Francis to Highest Aspirations. Emily is an English as a Second Language teacher at W.M. Urban Elementary School in Concord, North Carolina. She serves students in kindergarten through fifth grade with various English proficiency levels. Emily's experience as an English language learner inspired her to become an ESL teacher and affords her a deep understanding of the challenges her students must overcome to find success. Emily earned a BA in Spanish and an MAT in ESL from UNC Charlotte. She serves as a professional development facilitator, motivational speaker, keynote, ESL PLC lead, cooperating teacher, and mentor to beginning ESL teachers. Emily served as teacher liaison to the Cabarrus County Board of Education as Teacher of the Year in 2016. She is a member of the Teaching Channel's Fab Five ELL squad and team member of Confianza LLC. As a leader, Emily's focus is to inspire students to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more. Let's get started. Welcome to Highest Aspirations, Emily. You have a really compelling story to tell about your journey to becoming an ELL teacher, starting with coming to the U.S. from Guatemala at 15 years old. I'd love it if you could start by talking to us briefly about that journey and how it's influenced you. Yes. Well, first of all, let me thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I follow your podcast from before, and it's just amazing what you're doing. Uh, so again, thank you for having me. Well, yeah, I was 15 when I came to the U.S. Um, I am from Guatemala. I lived there 15 years. Because of my age, I was placed in a high school, and I had only completed the sixth grade in my country. So I was placed in the ending of ninth grade. Um, it was very hard. The only word I knew in English was okay. Uh, but at the same time that it was difficult because of the language and the culture, I was excited. I was just embracing the opportunity that I had to be in school, the opportunity to learn, the opportunity for a new, um, a new way, a new path for my life. Um, so I started, I gave it all I had. Um, I enrolled in every opportunity that they offered, AM school, PM school, night school, even college. I took some uh, ESL classes at the local community college because I wanted to blend in. I wanted to be part of this uh, new language, this new culture. Um, but something that I was never able to do at my school is use my native language. It was really sad how in the classrooms I was never able to demonstrate that I was capable to do critical thinking um, just because I didn't speak English. I was kind of isolated. It was ESL after ESL after ESL, uh, which is great. It gave me the foundation that I needed. Uh, but and then 
it's just, it was just, I needed to take courses for graduation. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't able to graduate high school. I dropped out of high school because I didn't pass the American history test. So that was devastating for me. It was really sad that after I had given everything in my passion and everything in my ability, I was not granted the opportunity to graduate high school. So it wasn't until a few years later in life, maybe six years later, that I realized that, hey, you know, I can't just give up in the dream I have, which was being a teacher. I always, that I remember, I always wanted to be a teacher. I didn't know I was going to be an ELL teacher, but I knew I wanted to teach. And that passion that I had with me is what pushed me through to get my GED at a local community college. I went and got my associate's degree. It was one step slowly at a time. It took me eight years to finally get my license to teach because even I was in a college, I was still struggling learning the language. So it was so it was very hard to get through college. I still had professors writing all over my papers that I was never going to graduate high school uh, college because of the way I spoke or because of the way I wrote. But I proved them wrong. 2012, I got my license to be able to teach English as a second language. That's an amazing story. I'm glad that you were able to tell it because I think it lays the foundation for the work you're doing now. I mean, there, there's, there's no better way, I imagine, to work with the students that you're working with than to understand what their struggles and what their challenges and more importantly, maybe what their assets are. Um, and, you know, that, that brings me to one of the things that we're going to talk about today, which is, which is the idea of PD, a professional development, and how that can help teachers understand how to better work with these students. Um, so before we get into, you know, PLNs and, and looking, getting professional development on Twitter and other places, I'd love to, to, to know how your approach to professional development has evolved since, since you started teaching. Well, you know, first is experience. I think because I have been through, it gives me a, a big advantage to be able to serve and understand my students. But I think that experience that I've lived and um, things that I've gone through is not enough to be able to really serve my students with the equity that it should be. So uh, that's where professional development comes in, that I realize that just because I've walked in their shoes doesn't mean I'm ready to serve them in the capacity that I need to. So I'm always looking for ways to better serve my students. What is the best uh, strategies? What are the best methods to teach English as a second language? What are the best way to approach co-teaching? It's just being able to get those knowledge that are not acquired with experience that I only learned through seeking that professional development. So my PD involvement has grown tremendously. I mean, it's just, you know, I have a sign next to uh, my smart board that says, Ignacio Estrada said this, he said, if kids don't learn the way you teach, then change the way you teach. And that's my goal, that if my students are not learning the way I'm teaching, that I need to seek professional development that is going to help me teach the way they learn, you know? Yeah. And what a great way to, 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 to I mean, you talk about how I, I said to you, and I still truly believe it, that your experience is, is, must ground you in what you do. But I love it that you say it's not enough. You know, you still need and seek that professional development which I think is um, is a tribute to your dedication to what you're doing. So let's shift gears a little bit to, to where we to where you tend to find and many others tend to find a lot of um, PD, which is this little thing called Twitter that uh, 
that many people have 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 come to embrace. And and when we last talked, you said that you you joined Twitter back in 2009. You were lured in by that little blue bird, but you didn't use it that much. And then you said about a year ago, I think you got back into it. So wh- what brought you back? Well, going back to what I just told you that I, I was thirsty for professional development. You know, I was I signed up for a local elementary conference and I was there sitting you know, listening to the speaker, and then he mentioned uh, Twitter, and he said, well, you know, Twitter is a professional development where you can uh, interact with other professionals. I mean, I was already thirsty looking to learn more stuff to better serve my students, and there he is mentioning Twitter, and I knew I had an account back in 2009. So, you know, my personal and my career mission statement is to always dream more, learn more, do more, and become more. So if I want to, you know, be more, and if I want to become more, it's through professional development. And I'm like, okay, if I can get that through Twitter, let me go back to the account. And I opened it again, and oh my goodness, I found treasure. I found treasure. I found so many people that were inspiring me just by posting little comments or posting links to uh, important things. So I definitely, once I found it, I didn't let go. Yeah. And so you found it as a tool and you were looking at other, as many people do, you start look, to look at other people, what other people post and you take from it and you learn and it's a kind of a give and take. But what, 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 start, what began the process of you actually coming back and not only checking it, but contributing? Because now you're a, you're a, you know, a solid contributor to what, uh, you know, the, the professional learning uh, network that, that you have created or that all these people have created. What brings you back to, to keep contributing? Well, first of all, when you build a B, your PLN, you build it upon people that are sharing your passion. So I think one of the things that made me go back again and again was because I started following People that were sharing my same passion, my same desires, my same vision, and when I saw their post, it just it just kept giving me desire to go back and see what they had. And I was lurking for quite a while. You know, it took me a little bit before I started clicking like or started retweeting. And then <clears throat> I got up a, a message from Tan. Tan, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. <gasps> Uh, but Tan emailed me. He said, um, Emily, I think it's time for you to start sharing uh, what you know and sharing what you have and share your experiences. And he is the one that started pushing me a little bit to share what I was doing in my classroom. And so here am I trying to learn from them. And I didn't realize that I had also potential to share the greatness that I was doing in my classroom. So that it's a give and take, like you say, you take from them their goodness, and then you also have to. We all have something to share, we all are doing amazing things. So, I started tweeting, and I just I haven't been able to stop. <laughs> yeah, but I would say, not in the not in the in the you know, in the bad social media way, right? Like, the, it's a good thing. You have not being able to stop means that you're sharing lots of information. I'm certainly consuming a lot of the things that you're that you're putting up there and that others are. Um, and you know what really what really strikes me about this particular PLN that's around ELLs is the level of trust that people seem to have in people that they haven't even met before. In many cases, people haven't met face to face, and they just have this level of trust in the resources and the strategies that they're putting up there. Well, how do you think that the, how do you think this is built? This this trust. 
trust is built on those connections that we're making. You know, if I if I see someone posting something that I'm passionate about and it's, it's an immediate connection, I like what you're sharing, you like what I share, and it's just we're building that trust that you are doing what's best for students and you are liking what I'm doing, what's best for students. And, and it's funny because, like you say, you start building that trust with people you have never met before. Then when you meet them face to face, you realize that that connection that you've had through social media is real. It's true. Last year, I had the opportunity to meet Valentina and Carol. Uh, we were, had following each other for a year, sharing the passions, sharing the connections, the trust that we've built together. And when we met, it was amazing to realize that that connection that we felt through Twitter, it was so real. It was so strong that our relationships has grown even more. Yeah. And so we're talking about professional learning networks, which, you know, we're talking about them related to English language learners. These obviously exist in all kinds of different subject matters. I, I Maybe I'm biased. I mean, I was a Spanish teacher, a high school Spanish as a foreign language teacher for a long time. I don't think, and I was on Twitter and pretty active, um, and then I was into educational technology, and I don't think I saw the level of community and trust that I see in the world of sort of ELL, PLNs, a lot of acronyms there, English Language Learner, Professional yeah. Learning Networks. Yeah. Do, do you think that, do, do, why do you think that is? Do you think that this community is special or, or is, um, is, is particularly adept uh, to using a, a medium like Twitter? I think so. There's really, in, in our uh districts there may not be enough teachers that share your same profession so i think that's why you look into twitter or other social media to interact with outside your district because like we have 2000 teachers in our district but out of the 2000 only 25 are esl teachers so you're always looking to see how can we connect with someone that is teaching my same field someone that is teaching the students i'm working with and if there's not enough in your county or if you're not getting what you think you need from your county then you're reaching out to social media and you know, social media is just not the only resource. There are books out there, there are podcasts, or same staff members that can give you that uh, professional development. I like what uh, Rich, Richard, he is a president of the TESOL here in North Carolina. He said Twitter uh, was like having a PD in your pocket. You know, you, you want a PD, you want to better yourself, just pull up your cell phone, pull up Twitter, and there it is. <laughs> Yeah, and that brings us to like, you know, it's PD in your pocket. It's just the convenience of the whole thing. It's not really necessarily that Twitter as a tool, but it's being able to, like you said, kind of get out of your silo, learn from others. Uh, I know that I've worked with a lot of districts on the East Coast that have experienced a large uh, shift in demographics where now they have lots of English language learners. Maybe they're refugee students. Maybe they're SIFE students. Maybe they're just they're just students who have come from another country recently to, to, to join families or communities. But either way, many districts, through no fault of their own, are ill-prepared to work with these students. And so a lot of sort of savvy teachers are, are looking online and, and they're looking at to, to, to Twitter and podcasts and other, other forms of media to learn. But I do see when I'm in the field, you know, training districts uh, here for elevation, I do see a lot of people who are still siloed. So for every, you know, person that's like you and that's on Twitter, either either contributing or consuming, 
there are probably 10 others who, who just either haven't discovered it yet, don't think they have the time, don't think they know how it works. Um, what do you think some of the effective, what do you think some ways are to get these people out of their silos? And I don't mean just like get them to use Twitter, right? Because some people just aren't going to use it. But how, how, how do we, in your experience, how do we bring people together? How do you reach those people who are really isolated and having a hard time getting that PD? I will say model it. Uh, for example, here at my school, um, I, I, there must have been, there was probably more teachers using Twitter, not as active as they are today. But I will say just whenever you find something that is uh, making you a better teacher, it, whether it's a book or whether it's a, a podcast or whether it's a Twitter, um, model what you're learning and have others see that passion, have others see that learning and they're going to start wondering, where are you getting that from? <laughs> you, why are your strategies working? Why are you having those strong connections with students? Why are you having those strong connections? They're going to start wondering why your pedagogy is different, why your pedagogy is, is better. Uh, and that's when you start those conversations. Oh, I found this on Twitter or I heard this in a podcast. So I will say just model what you learn from people from around the world and then bring it into your own district, bring it into your own school. And they, I know I have friends that I have never seen them doing a, um, a, a chat, you know, one of those chats conversations that we have through Twitter. And just a couple of weeks ago, I saw a couple of teachers that are joining chats through Twitter. And that made me so excited because did I model it? Maybe, maybe not. But it's just good to see that other people are watching what you're doing and kind of getting in that swing as well. Yeah. And that you brought up a, an interesting point, the idea of, of chats. And I still feel like there are some people out there who think that, um, you know, and probably many people who, that Twitter is just those chats. And I personally, and I've had this conversation with people before, I have a hard time just because of the busyness of my life, sort of dedicating time, that specific time to join a specific chat all the time. But the beauty of it is that I can I can consume it asynchronously. If I'm not able to join at a particular time and, and contribute right there, all that information is available for me. And there's so many new tools now that are coming out that, that sort of uh, categorize and classify that information um, so it's available. And I think there's this kind of myth out there or this, um, this fear that uh, there's, a, there's a huge learning curve to learning these tools, right? It's like, it's like any kind of uh, technology, I think. Um, is that trepidation um, of, of, of joining it. So I think you bring up um, some really good points that there's lots of different ways to access this. And the modeling piece, I think, is, is really big as well. Absolutely. So this is, I guess, it's sort of a similar question, but I'm curious to see, to, to know, what, what advice would you give to, to the many ELL teachers and administrators out there who are struggling? They're struggling to find quality PD in their districts. Maybe they don't feel like they don't have the time they don't have the capacity, they don't have the budget to bring these people in. How do you get people to access these new resources that are available to them now? You know, 21st century technology is just fascinating. If I had all of this technology when I was back in high school, oh my goodness, I would have been able to translate everything or access anything. You know, nowadays there's so much out there to be able to connect with others. I just don't think there's an excuse, you know, even the time I don't think time is an excuse. There's always at least five minutes that we can grab. That's how I started, five minutes a day, just making it intentional to look for those opportunities. You know, in districts that don't have the financial support to bring uh, 
PD to support ELL professionals, I will say, you know, there are webinars, there's Google Hangouts. We did a Google Hangout with Carol. She's the author of one of the books and a few teachers were able to chat with her. Opportunities are out there. I will say, just go out there and find them. If you are a director or a principal, connect yourself with those opportunities, connect yourself with the right person that can show you uh, those opportunities to help, help your teachers grow. So talk to me about this virtual uh, thing that you all are doing. I mean, this is a the, uh, this is a great example, I think, of what you were just talking about where, boy, time and money and resources. I think this virtual opportunity perhaps conquers all of those uh, or overcomes all of those challenges. Could you talk to us a little bit about what this is? Yes, absolutely. You know, I missed it last year. I mean, I missed it live last year because I was traveling to Germany. It was the exact same day that I was traveling. So I missed it live. But the wonderful thing about this is that I can go back anytime. As a matter of fact, it's been viewed thousands of times because you, there are YouTube videos. You can just go back and watch those videos. And it's all about how to better serve ESL students. Every single professional, every single workshop that they provided, it was all about how to better be a ESL teacher. Uh, so it's just very inspiring to see that there are more people out there like, like us, you know, that want to be better for our students. And it, they're just, they're just people that are going through the same things that we are. They're not superheroes. They're just educators trying to show what they know and share it with us. So I'm excited to be part of that this year. And uh, one of the feature speakers, oh my gosh, and next to Echeverria, my hero. Uh, I just, I'm excited for this opportunity. And all the cast is just wonderful. Yeah, and it goes to show that these virtual sort of PD opportunities, as you mentioned, you can view synchronously or asynchronously if you're traveling or you can't uh, you can't make it, you can, you can view it later. But well, you're really able to bring in some 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 pretty top level uh, intelligent um, people who are doing wonderful things, and that just goes to show, I think, the power of these these forms of of professional development. Absolutely, but you know why? Because of the feedback, the feedback that they received after the shows, and you know, uh, teachers were picking those videos up and showing them at schools or districts. Uh, so the power in those little videos, it was making them bring uh more like you say more high up people to show their um expertise yeah and i i also want to say for the record that you know i i talk about people that are that are really well known but i think the beauty of these things also is that if you're a classroom teacher uh in a in, in a rural district somewhere you can still participate and you can still contribute just as much as anyone so it's not necessarily just about the sort of high-powered folks that that have been there and done that, but it's people that are coming in that are that are maybe new and they have these wonderful ideas and they want to express them. It really gives everybody an opportunity to be able to do that. Absolutely, yes, and it's empowering too. It's empowering to be able to give others. I have so much to take, you know, to thank uh, Tan for telling me, "Hey, you've got something. Give us something." You know, uh, it's it's empowering to be able to give what we know. Um, yeah, it's important to be able to receive, but if we have, we all have something there's not an if we all have something we can share and teach others. Absolutely. So I want to come back to what, something that you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, you were talking about how 
you know, it was it was a shame that you weren't able to use your your native language, your home language when you were in school and sort of demonstrate to people that you could think on a really high level, but there was a language barrier. And I know that's something that you care um, really deeply about. And that's something that that we're seeing a lot more. There's been a lot of research out there from the from the uh, researcher and higher ed side that, yes, like maintaining your home language, particularly at the at the early um, ages is is helpful and important. Um, do you see that being played out in your PLN and in PD? Do you think that there's enough PD, not only for English teachers of English language learners, but content teachers, about the importance of maintaining home language and, and, and home culture for that matter? I think it's booming. I think it's starting. I, I think there's a lot more work to do. Um, it's definitely a buzz that is going around right now, and I am super excited about that. We even have, you know... Um, applications being translated into other, you know, right reader right now is translated to different languages because we're starting to bring, I mean, the research has always been there, has always been there that using native language supports the acquisition for second language. It's just that it's not spoken enough. It's not shared enough. Um, so yeah, I do have a lot of, um, folks that I follow that are into, uh, embracing this cultural values and embracing this language language values and you know the ELL uh, book club chat that we do everybody that is in that chat embraces the importance on appreciating culture the importance of appreciating L1 and again going back to building those strong connections with people you don't know it's because they are embracing what's important to me you know or to you so whenever you hear or see someone posting something that it's about culture or it's about language, I'm all around it. I'm retweeting it. I'm requoting it because I think I, it needs to be shared more than what it is. Yeah, we need to offer more um, opportunities for classroom teachers to hear this research. I just feel like ESL teachers are the ones that know this, that know this importance, but not mainstream classroom teachers. Yeah, that's really important. Sometimes I feel like we're preaching to the choir quite a bit, so to speak, because, yeah. you know, we have this tight group of people who are who are really passionate and interested in the same things. And, and one of the things that 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 I'm trying to do, and I know a lot of us are trying to do, I was a content teacher myself, um, and I I saw, you know, around me teachers who were I am a content teacher, I am a purveyor of content, whether it's math or science or history. Uh, who, who many times thought, unfortunately, it's not my role. How am I going to work with these students who don't, you know, uh, speak the language? And the whole idea of all teachers are teachers of language, I think, is 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 coming along. I think we're seeing a lot of progress there, but I think I still think there's work to be done. So that's another question: how do we how do we get this out? This wonderful thing that's happening in our community to everybody, to content teachers, and spread the word. I think ESL teachers or any educator that understands embracing culture and embracing language, if you really believe that to core, like if you really believe with all your heart that this is what's best, not that not if it's best, this is what research proves, share with others. Don't be scared to say, let your students speak Spanish. Let, you know, we have a student that, right now is in his second year from Mexico. And he was two points from exiting ESL because the teacher from the very beginning 
was allowing him to read, to write, to speak, to share presentations in Spanish because the child needed to know that he was important and he was expected to do the work. But if, we, if I didn't walk over there and tell the teacher that it was okay to do that, she would have been expecting this child to do it all in English. So I'm guessing advocacy is so important. So if there are teachers out there that don't know or don't want to follow this new, the, not the new research, but the research on second language acquisition, then we need to advocate. If we know it, if we take it to heart, share that, share that with others. Yeah, and I think that that advocacy is is you know to go back to the sort of topic of our conversation. That advocacy is happening to an extent on the professional learning network uh, networks that are that are that are on social media, and hopefully that's starting to seep into others. I mean, I think you know the majority of people that are that are posting and putting information up are probably ESL teachers. But I do imagine you mentioned sort of the lurkers earlier. I imagine there's a lot of content teachers in there who are lurking. But you know, it's one of those things that um, that is a challenge. That I feel like um, you're right. Advocacy. Um, is key. Uh, you understanding as an ESL teacher your expertise and valuing and uh, you know being humble like we all are, but understanding also that you're an expert and sharing that knowledge with others. And then you know looking at it from the other way around, teachers, and I guess a lot of this comes from school leadership, content teachers understanding that we have experts on language acquisition in our building that are going to help you do the right thing for your students. You know, we're, we're getting into a whole different episode and a whole different topic here, but I think it's important to mention. You know, it's important too to make sure that students are learning to advocate for themselves. I have students here that come to my classroom and every time they come, if they don't know how to read English, they have to leave my classroom with a book in their native language. So when they get to their classroom and they have silent reading, they can pull up their book and advocate for themselves and, you know, being able to read their native language or being able to tell the teacher, I wrote this retail in Spanish because that's what I can do. I think just as much as we want to advocate and speak to other teachers, we need to make sure that our students can advocate for themselves. Just not stand up to the teacher, but being able to voice their um their ability, their ability to be able to participate in their native language. Well said. Important life skill as well. Okay, so I have to, t I just have to talk about your appearance on Ellen. I have to do it because we were here in the office with a few of my colleagues watching it and sharing in your 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 excitement, which was contagious. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. So, so I just. I guess I, I'm interested to know. I think I kind of know the answer, but what was that experience like for you both personally and professionally? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I mean, you know, she said it. I have been watching her show for so many years. You know, I had a student yesterday just because I had to share this story. I, I was at a multicultural event yesterday and this little kid, maybe a second grader comes over to me and he says, you look familiar. Are you that girl that was in the Ellen show? And he was just so excited to see me. And he says, now, after watching you in the Ellen show, my dream is to be in the Ellen show too. You know, it was the cutest thing. You know, I never even had a dream to ever be in a stage with, with Ellen. It was just, I watched the show so many times. You know, I laughed with that show. I learned English watching the show, but I never, never crossed my mind that I was ever going to be sitting there next to her. So when she started talking and calling my name, oh my gosh, I lost it. 
you know, it was a wonderful experience personally. It was just amazing for to have a celebrity like that just talk about me and talk about my what I've been through, you know, professionally. You know, what what we do for the school is just amazing for uh, Giovanni to be able to provide for our school and uh, just give that vision to our students that anything is possible, you know, that there are no limits. There are no limits to what we can accomplish. Even if we don't dream it, there are more to our dreams than what we can ever imagine. Yeah, that was, I have to say that was very well done. I don't remember the CEO of Chobani's name, but, I don't remember <laughs> but, but the fact that he was also an English language learner and had been successful and was now, you know, paying it for just, I mean, it was just so well done and such a, such a wonderful story. So such a humble man too. I saw him backstage. He hugged me. He took a selfie with me and he's just down to earth man. And, you know, he started just like we did, like I did started from scratch. And, you know, what we both had in common is that we brought to this country, our passion and our love to be successful. Yes, we came to get, we gained the language, we gained culture, but now we are given you know, we're immigrants that we didn't just come to get, we came to give as well. Yeah. And he clearly had a profound respect for you as he, you know, compared you to some of the teachers that, that, uh, that helped him, um, along the way. And I loved if, if, if you haven't seen it, yeah, any listener and you, you should YouTube it because it's, it's fantastic. The, the banter about learning, uh, you learning English from Ellen and he said, I think Seinfeld. And so his English wasn't as good. It was just, it was, it was, it was a priceless moment. And I've, I, I've watched it a few times. So it's, yeah, um, having the kids appeared too, you know, it was after school hours. It was seven o'clock here, four o'clock there. Never in my mind, I thought that, you know, I was going to see a whole cafeteria full of children or, or parents and staff members, you know? So when I saw them, it was just the most amazing moment ever. <laughs> Well, that's great. I think it's well-deserved, and um, I was excited for you, as, as were many of my colleagues here that were watching it along with me. So as we as we sort of come to the end here, I'd like to ask everybody that comes on um, what, what ends up being kind of a difficult question for a lot of people, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there, a lot of books, a lot of stuff that you can consume. There's obviously a thriving PLN on Twitter. But is there a, a one book or other resource that has had an important impact on you professionally or personally that you'd like to share? Yeah, I'm glad you asked this question because people really need to be reading. I was not a reader. If you would have asked me this question a year ago before I started my Twitter life, I would have questioned which book to give you. But now I have I am a passionate reader, but I have to give you two books and then I'm going to tell you why. So the first book that I'm going to give you is Promoting Academic um, Success for ELLs. It is by Virginia Collier and it's a 39 page book and it shows the research on how culture, language and academic has to be worked simultaneously in order for students to acquire the language. And I read this book, it was my very first um, ESL course when I was taking my TESOL undergrad. And I learned through that book exactly how I felt as a language learner, what hindered me and what helped me. You know, the school did not take into account my cultural background. 
and just worried about the English and the English. And this book teaches that in order for students to be able to embrace and actually acquire the language to the proficiency that we want them to, we need to get all of that together, the academic, the culture, and the language, it all goes hand in hand. So that's one book that changed my perspective and my learning on second language acquisition, helped me understand myself as a language learner, and now I can better understand how my students acquire the language. Now, the other book I want to give you is Boosting Achievement by Carol in Anna Mattis. This book, I mean, it just came out a year or so ago. And if I would have walked into that high school with that with this book in hand, I promise you my student life would have been so much different because this book provides all the strategies and all the methods that we need to be using in a classroom to be able to make all newcomers work in a classroom at a great level. Not dumbing the content, not watering down the content, but using grade level content to be able to teach our language learners. So kudos to Carol and Anna for this wonderful book. Yeah, and I, I I'm glad you mentioned the first one because I haven't read it, but I have read uh, I have read Boosting Achievement, and we 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 have an episode with with Carol Selva, and we talk quite a bit about that book and the inspiration for why she wrote it. And she t- it's such a great story, you know, uh, uh, something that was that was written because there was nothing else like it, but also based on a lot of the training and the experience um, that she had. And you know, the good thing about that book is it's it's partly narrative and partly like, um, you know, concrete activities. And it's, it's, it's an easy read, but has so much in it. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Easy read and easy to apply to all the strategies are, you can just close the book and go do the strategy because it's just that effective and that touching. So it's really good. I can't wait to listen to that podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how can people find more, uh, find out more about what you're doing, the work you're doing? Maybe you could give us your Twitter handle. I know you have a blog as well. Is there, um, where, where can people go to find out more about what you're doing? All right. So yeah, my Twitter handle is Emily Fran ESL. And if you go to my profile, you'll have a link to my, uh, blog. Um, I can't remember to it right now, but I think it's inspiring English language learners at wibbly.com. Um, and I will be pretty soon, uh, well, I think it's in October. I will be at, um, the WIDA conference. So if you go to the WIDA conference, I'll be there. As will I. So I'm looking forward to seeing you there as well. Um, so uh, that's great. So I will direct uh, people to all of the resources that you mentioned and the books. We'll have all those in the show notes as well. Emily, uh, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a fun chat. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.